everyone, and welcome to China EVs and More, where my co-host, Volleyball Dad Lei Sheng, and I will go over the week's most important and interesting news coming out of the China EV or global EVAV and mobility sectors. What Lei and I discuss today is based on our opinions and should not be taken as investment advice. For those that are new to the show, welcome. And to our loyal listeners, welcome back. We ask that you please help us get the word out about this podcast to other enthusiasts, and of course, tune in again next week. My name is Tu Lee. I'm the Managing Director at Sinoato Insights, a global management consultancy that helps organizations bring innovative and tech-focused products and services to the transportation and mobility sectors. I write a free weekly newsletter that we pull many of our discussion topics from. You can sign up for it at sinoatoinsights.com, which of course, I encourage you all to do. Good morning, Lei. Can you please introduce yourself? Good morning from Boston. <laughs> uh, this is your co-host Lei Xing, former chief editor of China Auto Review, and this is uh, episode number one fifty-four. Welcome back from our annual break. We're still technically in Chinese New Year because tomorrow is the Lantern Festival. Yeah,、mm-hmm. and a lot of people they don't go back to work until after that holiday. So. The year of the dragon, or the Long, as some would argue, started not off not with the ban, but with a bloodbath. <laughs> <laughs> you remember we talked about Longxing Dada, the dragons flying. Well, the prices they're they're flying off everywhere. <laughs> well, they're slashing everywhere. Yeah, slashing everywhere.、Uh, my goodness.、Uh, You thought we've seen it all. We haven't seen it all. <laughs> I mean, starting last year, Tesla was the culprit, and this year, BYD was like, you know what? We're a BUD. <laughs> We're cheaper than gas. <laughs> like that cracked me up so much because it's it's a good. Who would have known, right? BUD、yeah. is is BYD. <laughs> We're not even into. March yet, and we know you know we you and I both talked about how this was going to last well into 2024. So this doesn't surprise anyone. But、right. for BYD to lead the way, that is a little bit of a different tact, I guess, because this is telling the market that you you people need to keep up because we're taking share from the we're going to push out and we're going to take your share. That's what they're telling people. They're you know four million units right. They gotta get there somehow, and one way is through a price cut. And basically, I mean, this is because as I was thinking,、um, it's it's not one model. It's not that one chin plus、uh, DMI honor. It's a series of models that are launching. Right? They just launched the Dolphin Honor at the hundred thousand MMB. And Lei, when you say DMI, that's basically that's the, their hy- hybrid, the plug-in. Yeah, that's that's、uh, BYD's one of BYD's tech. There's the there's quite a few、uh, models L coming.、Um, I think they're relaunching the Han and the and the Tang with the L, I believe. And there's they're launching the Chin L. It's a full wave coming, right? And we're two weeks into the Year of the Dragon. Clearly, BYD strategy. We have a flavor for every taste in the market. Tesla, are you listening? Because an easy way to make that Model Two cut the rear end off of the Model Three. 
because that's what an L version is, right? You're just adding maybe half a meter of, of length. And Audi and BMW 10, 12, 15 years ago, they created these L versions of their vehicles. Yeah. Now they're a mainstay of the product portfolio, at least in the China market. So I'm oversimplifying this, but Tesla, how do we get to a Model 2 at $25,000? We take out the rear end of the Model 3. Or, you know, so if they do not get to a Model 2 by mid-2025, China market is likely going to be a huge issue for them because I'm assuming that 2024, they can still hold off and maintain the right or let's say close to what they have from a share standpoint, but I don't know if they can do it for two years straight. So, And it's probably not going to be the $25,000 model. It's cut that price in half. Yeah. <laughs> 11000 12000 I mean, that's what the Chin Plus Honor Edition costs, right? $11,000. And that's that's what's really important to note, Lei, because the the Model 2 is just, just another car in China. It's a huge, huge victory for them in EU and the US at 25000 But at 25000 in China, it's overpriced. Yeah. I mean, when you talk about certain segments, right? Um, it, it feels like the 79800 I mean, I could... It's like pocket change. Yeah, it feels like that way. I and mean, I could just—we're all going back to China. I could just, you know, buy one. <laughs> but obviously, you need to uh, have the license plate. Uh, uh, um, yeah, lottery. exactly. But still, I mean, that's. Oh, I still have. No, I still not won that. So, <laughs> and that was what ten years in. And, and the chain reaction that followed is right. All these posters being uh, right that the Mazda three. At, at the 90,000 MMB, that's an ICE. And Mazda 3, I mean, that's a pretty good, nice, damn nice car. And you won't get that in the U.S. for that type of money. Well, the other thing too, Lei, I think that's really important to mention, is that Buick came out with the Electra 4. Yeah, the E4 and the E5 at, at cheaper prices. So for those wondering... If Legacy Auto can come out with cheap vehicles, look at the ID4, look at the ID3 in China, pricing wise, look at them in Europe, and then look at the United States. So, and then with GM, you know, they're they're having problems making a $45,000 car or EV in the US, but the Electra E4 is a $23,000 car in China. It's not a small car. It's like a mid to large SUV. It's probably a blazer-sized EV. If, and you know, the unfortunate thing is that 10 years ago, that would have sold well because the Buick brand was strong. But you had mentioned last week that now Cadillac is Buick. Yeah. Buick is now Chevrolet. Yeah. So, And Chevrolet is just not even in the, in the conversation. Yeah. And Buick is basically a, a business um, GLA, pretty much. Um, the other sedan models are not resonating. Yeah, dude. Uh, um, I'm actually looking really forward to going in April because I have a list of cars I want to go check out, drive, visit some people, see how they're doing. Because nothing beats actually talking to employees and checking out morale, see how pumped up they are, see how worried they are. And I think you and I are kind of uniquely suited to do that because we, we do know the people at a lot of the companies that we're talking about. So, I mean, there's what you talk about the Lee Auto Mega, uh, which will launch in a week. 
the the X9. I'm looking forward to maybe try it out. And and Xiaomi, just checking out Xiaomi. That's Su7. They're making an announcement there. And Xiaomi is really under a lot of pressure just from one single competitor, which is Geely. And there's a bunch of models Geely's recently launched that's giving Xiaomi a lot of, you know, run for their money pricing-wise. How do they price the Su7? It's a lot of headache. Well, you you think that, see, I still think it's going to be very, or much cheaper, but you're still thinking it's going to be over 300, right? No. Uh, well, I mean, Lei Jin said it's not going to be 99, 149, or 199. It's going to start probably in the 200s, you know, mid to high 200s. That, that's what I'm expecting. Yeah. But that could change. Who knows? You know, like, it's Xiaomi, right? I think if it's not under 250, it doesn't stand a chance. Because Lei Jin, he keeps saying that, you know, we're, please forgive us that we're going to price this high. But when they launch it, hey, who knows? They might put up a surprise, you know, given the current, you know, blowback. Come on, man. You know that he's one of the biggest showmen in China. Exactly. So he's setting the table, basically. And look at how active he is on Twitter. I know somebody else is running that, but now he's posting most of this. To the EV stuff, right? Because he recently gave part of his uh, uh, responsibilities to to the other guy on the phone part of it, right? And right. He's like, I- I'm going to be in charge for the EV. Just a, as an aside, to to tell our audience how everything is kind of sort of in- interconnected. Shou Zhu used to be the head of international for Xiaomi in Beijing, and now he is the CEO of TikTok. And he moved back to, back to Singapore. So all of these executives, they know each other. And you and I had a great conversation with Daniel Kircher about him knowing the uh, uh, William Lee or Lee Ben and Li Xiang and He Xiaopeng. So the EV executive in China uh, relationship or Guanxi is actually you know, that network is actually very very small. And it extends out to consumer tech and things like that. So, and mention speaking of it, um, that th- this rivalry between actually Geely and Xiaomi also stems from that because uh, when Lei Jin, I think he visited a bunch of kind of the incumbents, right? Three years ago, when he started this uh, research into into um, building an EV business, and he poached the director of the R and D Institute of Geely to one of the capital. Arms. I think it was Shunwei Capital, which is under Xiaomi, and so there's that kind of uh, beef actually going on. I think um, you you can you know sense it through the recent you know uh, uh, social media, at least from the model competitive competitive point of view. So that's it's 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 from all you know not only from the price war, but from from all points. And now we're, you know, I was on talking on, on CGTA yesterday and I, I said, you know, now the biggest change we're seeing is that now we're seeing this tide receding and some of the boats capsizing, one being hi-fi. The good times are over. I think this points back to, and this is where Xiaomi needs to be very, very, very careful. If we look at the Yue, we look at the hi-fi, which were very technology focus to an extreme, we're seeing them not be very successful in the market. Now, Hi-Fi was also premium, so there's likely a, a pricing challenge or an issue with them. Uh, the, the X was over 
a million or eight hundred thousand army or something like that. Yep. So, uh, so it was a hundred thousand U.S. dollars. Uh, it was a cool, kitschy, cool car. I think it was very niche because again, it had lights that you could uh, program to write things. I thought it was kind of cool, but you needed to have a derivative that kind of took out some of the the kitschy cool stuff and more mainstream that would have cut the price in half. And I think maybe they had a chance, but if you're not building within a year, 10, 12, 15,000 units a month, then you are in a lot of trouble because you're just draining, draining, draining your capital. So it's pretty much a a scale and cost advantage game uh, from here on out. Right. I mean, after BYD, after Tesla, who who is the next closest to to having that kind of scale and, and cost advantage? I'm gonna make it easy for folks. Lay, let me let me explain it this way, and you tell me if you agree or not. Look at their total capacity, multiply that by eighty percent, maybe seventy five. If they're not at seventy five, and consistently at seventy five, they're likely going to be in trouble. And the next quarter, the next six months. And then for companies like, well, let's say the companies that are trying to get towards the BYD and the Tesla numbers, they need to get to 60, 70, 80,000 units a month, 80,000 units to be profitable. So that's uh, those are kind of the simple back of the envelope math, in my opinion. Yeah. So, so Lee Auto, they, right, last year, a couple of months, they did 50,000 units. And this year, they have. 800,000 units goal for the year. You can do the math, right? They get there. And I think uh, Lee, uh, Hi-Fi Dingley came out. We've seen reports coming out that he held a meeting with, with the employees. And he one of the things he said I thought was really interesting pertaining to one of the tweets I tweeted that all of these ones that are failing had these founders. And we talked about this with Daniel with founders who had experience working at the legacy automakers. It could have been a coincidence or there's some bad karma, but he said this, Ding Lei, he said that my way of traditional operational thinking, we could not beat the kind of the internet companies or the founders. That's what he said. (laughs) Although the product-wise, it was very internet thinking. But maybe operationally or management-wise, there were issues, product planning. I mean, you talked about cutting that price in half. They did. They, they had to have Hi-Fi Y, and they're coming out with Hi-Fi A, but it didn't resonate for some reason because there, there, there's the other uh, the 300,000, 400,000 range that, that are already taken, let's say, by Lee Auto, right? You know, that you, you succumb to, to that competition. And you raise a great point. And let's just throw it out there. So we've interviewed Kristen Lee and Daniel Kircher. We're going to be launching a video version of our Max episode on YouTube very soon. So stay tuned for that. And I think we could use that, what we talked about, how in uh, the tech companies, how those founders are struggling, but not out of business, whereas the companies or the EV startups that were started by automotive executives have all, not all, but uh, largely failed. If we talk about WM Motor, we talk about Hi-Fi, uh, Freeman, X-Auto, uh, the, the Hi-Fi executive. Yes. Yep. So maybe that's a warning to the Western automakers. You better bring some strong technology chops 
and think through your traditional automotive mindset and process and policy uh, driven strategies and just think about things differently and look at that because that stands out. You know, Daniel even said it, right? We we brought this automotive mindset to bite and and ultimately that's probably one of the reasons it failed. So yeah, and 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 a key reason is the ability to raise capital. I think that that's a that's a great point. That 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 um the the traditional guys, I guess, in that pers- perspective, couldn't compete with with the with the William Lees and, and the Li Xiangs and, and the He Xiaopengs, right? They all also, I think he mentioned a great point that they all had their own capital invested. Yes, into into these companies uh, initially, they had to, so they had their own skin in the game. Yeah. Although, I mean, we say to this day, the Lee Autos, the Neo, the Xbone, they're not out of the woods by any stretch of uh, imagination. Oh, yeah. We can point to Neo needing a bailout and Xpong getting, you know, a lot of help. But, uh, you know, you know, I had mentioned during our, our conversation that if you're a tech entrepreneur and you IPO, the banks are happy to help you. If you're in a new venture because you made them a ton of money before. So I think that's also part of the reason. Cause you know, I think Daniel is doing very well for himself, but you know, he'd be the first to tell you he didn't have a hundred million dollars to put into Biden himself, right? So uh, I think he made a great point right there when we talked to him about that stuff. So yeah. What else is going on? We talked about hi fi. So basically Ding Lei, he said, you know, we have at most three months to turn this around. And you had a raised a great point a couple of episodes ago about, you know, now is the time to kick the tires. And I think they're looking at possibly being acquired is 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 definitely uh, one route to go. I think there's some chatter on that. You know, who's going to take up whatever assets is is good uh, from HiFi. So if it doesn't survive, maybe it'll be part of somebody else. Well, I think that's that's the important thing because. You know, we talked about this Stellantis Renault potential merger, but I didn't see any quick or clear synergies except for just bigger because Stellantis now has a lifeline via Leap Motor, but Renault doesn't have any such lifeline. So it's important that these companies, whether you're GM, Ford, you know, Hi-Fi has the, the small network already established in China, had some credibility. It's time to find out if they have any real IP and try to extract value on the cheap. Because we, if you recall, they were number one. The Hi-Fi X was number one in a challenge, an annual challenge or range rating in Norway. Yeah. So that would indicate to me that their battery technology is 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 either pretty significant or their BMS. So I would definitely look into that yeah. to try to act, at least try to extract some of that value. And there's talent, right? Where, where do these employees, where did they go? Um, there's probably already poaching going on right now. So one of the casualties, as, as many casualties that we're going to be seeing. Yeah. Let me see here. Did you, were you, you, you probably didn't, but there was a great article by former Max episode guest. John Velker for Inside EVs about the fiasco that is GM Ultium. 
I didn't read it, but uh, I saw your your tweets, and uh, basically, a big part of it is still the culture part of it, right? Is that correct? Well, you know, I think because we have to remember that GM, these guys, Ford and stuff, they've they have dozens, if not hundreds, of hydrogen engineers, battery engineers already. Are they at the level of Tesla engineers or companies like Panasonic and LG? Probably not, but you know, in you know that I have some moles in GM or some contacts there, and there's a lot of arrogance. Our good friend Alfred is invested in a company that you and I know sure. uh, that helps package battery packs, and GM is using them for Wuling in China, but they decided to go it alone in the U.S. with the Altium. And so this is like egg on people's face, and there have been some fairly high-level Scott Miller got fired. And I think one of the major reasons for that, Mike Abbott is kind of cleaning house, generally speaking, is what I've been told. And it sounds a lot like what Doug Field has done at Ford. Is it fast enough? Is it deep enough? And are they hiring replacements that are significant enough to move the needle? Because to your point earlier, Lay, culture is just a really, really onerous thing to change when you're a 120 year old company that's always done things a certain way. So I feel that the Volkswagen groups, the General Motors, the Toyotas, the rank and file are talented enough. Now let's set aside the software part for a second, but on the battery stuff, I think there there's enough talent there to get things right. But the culture thing seems almost as daunting from a challenge standpoint as or changing it or altering it or evolving it, however you want to say that. Because, man, I'm in Detroit. I talk to freaking car guys every day. I talk to car guys that think they're actually pretty progressive. And I say guys because it's always guys. <laughs> <laughs> and so and I look at them and they know I'm skeptical. But I never really show my full hands because I think that's a little bit disrespectful because I think they're, they're they're trying to make a difference, right? But unless you're making major decisions at these companies, how much change can you affect? But at the same time, you know, the recent trends that we've seen, uh, starting out with yesterday, Mercedes-Benz dialing back their uh, 2030 going all electric where market conditions allow Luckily, they had that qualifier. Otherwise, <laughs> right, we can dunk on them. We can still dunk on well, them. But we, we should dunk on them because why was that comment even made? It didn't need to be made. Yeah, uh, but what I'm saying is, look, at it's Mercedes dialing back. It's Ford dialing back. It's GM dialing back. Every, it seems like everywhere else in the world, there's this, well, including China, because the way I describe it would be China was going 100 miles an hour while the rest of the world were going at 50 miles an hour. Now China's probably going at 80 miles an hour, while the other ones are now stopped. That, that's the sense that, 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 that you get, right? All of a sudden, we're in China, this bloodbath is, is continuing on at all costs. And Jim Farley said, you know, we're not going to participate. We're not going to be in that bloodbath. <laughs> we're going to go somewhere else. They haven't been here, but, but lay, they haven't been participating for the better part of four or five years that's, in the China you know, market. You, that's the, that's the excuse part of it, right? Right. Well, how, however you want to spin it. And, and Mercedes had the excuse also, right? Uh, 
uh, of you know we're continuing to to you know where 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 market demand is. We have to be tactical. Uh, <laughs> so a couple of things that stand out to me now that you talk about Mercedes during our conversation with Daniel, he said that they were selling hundreds of vehicles a month when he, when he came to, to, to BMW in China to lead that team, the sales team or whatever. And they were at three or 400,000 when he left. Yeah. So that was in the mid to late two thousands, maybe. So like 20 years ago, roughly. And he, and he led a decent turnaround at Infinity before he moved over to Byton. So to give you all the sense of where ABB is, ABB stands for Audi Beamer Benz. They're consistently at around seven, eight hundred thousand units annually, and they take forty percent of their profits from the China market. So when Ola said, and I don't know if you saw my tweet, he had in, he had been interviewed by Tom McKenzie friend uh, a friend because tom mckenzie i don't know if you remember or if you know him lay but he used to live in beijing yeah and he used to do that show right Right, yep now he's in the uk he's in london but uh he was interviewing ola and ola said and it just stood out value over volume and i want us to revisit that end of this year let's see because it's we, we have to separate the ICE sales for ABB from the EV sales. In reality, in China, it's difficult to do that because we already know the Mercedes and the BMW and the Audi dealers, the discounts are pretty significant. The the final transactional pricing. On the EV side. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Because this is the thing. They, Mercedes can't execute on their strategy globally without a strong China market, just like VW Group. Yeah, and more than likely that next generation MMA, the MBOS, I think they're probably betting on that. And, and really the EQ is, is, is in the rearview mirror. Whatever performance that they had, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's history, I think. But, and then you have also Audi cleaning house, right? Headquarters, um, even in China. So, but but you still think they're not moving fast enough, correct? Well, I think in China they're trying to be fast. All of, I mean, Volkswagen, right? Speaking of China speed, China speed—that's all they talk about in China for China. Uh, <laughs> so so let's let's do this because Volkswagen Group, and, and I know we're kind of getting off topic topic from the the weekly standpoint, but I think it's important to note this: Volkswagen Group has about or Volkswagen brand has about four percent share. Let's say Volkswagen Group has 4% share in the United States. They have about 10% in China and very strong in Europe. But if we look at the pillars of their strength, mm-hmm. Europe and China, they're very threatened from by Chinese EV Inc. And so if we're thinking about that 80% utilization rate that I'm telling you guys about, then any further significant sales decrease anywhere in Europe or in China, uh, because they don't have the U.S. market to fall back on. They're in a ton, a ton of trouble. And I I really want to emphasize this because I feel like people are starting or journalists are starting to come around to understand the seriousness of Mercedes, of Volkswagen having weak... I'm not nodding my head as you speak. Yeah. 
Because I, I don't know, man, I've been talking about this for several years. You use well about the exposure they have because of the China market. It's starting to come clearly come to investors. And not only that, but you know that there is a ton of pressure on Volkswagen Group to divest out of Xinjiang, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. the crazy thing is this is coming from the institutionals. So yeah. their shareholders yeah. are selling. And Volkswagen Group does not get that 2%, 3% growth last year in China without the price reductions. And they likely will have to do the same this year. Yeah. Because so, BYD is um, already shown the way, throwing down the gauntlet. And that's squarely aimed at the Lavidas, the Sagatars, these type of sedans, right? The, the Volkswagen. Uh, actually, they sell a lot of those. I, I think in January, actually, in, in that a segment sedan market, I think Lovito is like still number one or two. So think about that, right? And then, and then as we are speaking, Lotus just L O T dollar sign L O T just ran the bell of Nasdaq. Nice. <laughs> one of the Li Shufu's babies IPOs. Zeker is next. Smart is coming. Lotus is, you know, good good friend of uh, China EVs and more. I won't say who it is, but uh, he had gotten an early Lotus in the UK. Wasn't very satisfied with it. Let me just yeah. say that. Oh, so the other really quickly, there's a Bloomberg article that's great. Yeah. You tweeted, I tweeted as well, uh, of the, the dependency on, on China, right? And it's just the facts. Yeah. It's not a position. It's not, it, it was, because if you look at the byline, there's a Korean journal, there's an American journal, there's a European journal, uh, American journal. So they, they really did a, a good job of kind of articulating. And then with the interactive graphics, I thought that was really cool. And this should clearly indicate that. The U.S. and Europe can't make affordable EVs without China through 2030. Through 2030, how they're going to reconcile that politically is 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 the question. So yeah, and then um, also just yesterday, I think Neta had a media launch in Mexico. So the other key word I think this year besides bloodbath is definitely MX. I C O. Did I spell that right? M E X. M E X. M E X. I C O. You're, you're well, starting. It's not just that. It's not just that. The battery companies, I was told, are looking at every single country that has a free trade agreement with the United States and are looking at maybe starting operations in those countries. Yeah. Everyone. So no stone is being unturned by China Battery Inc in order to supply which they what they know will be like if we're at 8% last year we get the 30 40 50% over the next 15 years we're talking 10 million cars so or you know 8 7 6 7 8 9 million cars a year coming out of the United States that are clean energy okay now they're going to have to this puts the domestic battery cell manufacturers, the Panasonics and the LGs, who have committed billions of dollars to increase capacity in the United States, this puts them at a huge disadvantage, right? So how that plays out is going to be part political, part you know, capitalist. Don't know, because 
we don't know if the Inflation Reduction Act is going to stay the way it is past 2024 until we find out who our next president <laughs> is. So still a lot of uncertainty, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the infographic was, was great showing, especially that part on, on the Korean, how, how much of China percent share from the Korean Right, you saw that, right? Almost everything was in the 90s. Yeah. Every, almost everything was in 90%, over 90%. Yeah, so how do you perceive that right, from an from a RA point of view? Yeah, let's do this, Lay. It's 9.42. Uh, we will open the room up to any questions or comments. Lay and I are kind of uh, wiping the Chinese New Year out of our eyes. And one thing I wrote in today's newsletter that I sent, I pressed send about 10 minutes before oh. I started the show. <laughs> <laughs> um, is that we're seeing so, so much news coming out of the U.S. now. It's just really, really challenging. Uh, it's quite, quite, quite challenging to keep up. But we have to because it all fits together like a puzzle. Yeah. Uh, you can't understand the global market unless you know what's happening in the U.S. and China. Europe, you know, I think... Um, Southeast Asia is speaking of, you know, EMEA region, Expo launching in UAE. So for those that aren't sure, EMEA stands for uh, Europe, Middle East, Africa. So that's what EMEA stands for. And and that's where the capital are coming from nowadays. I think there's there another investment, I forget which company, that just got money from, from that region, right? Yes. Well, HiFi's deal with and speaking of hi-fi right they they that never went that fell through, through. yeah it never went, went through so i'm curious to see how the g6 and g9 will be received in europe specifically and how aggressive they're going to be on pricing for those products yeah because the middle east is an emerging market vehicle sales aren't that significant like in the grand scheme of things, from a moving the needle standpoint. Now, if you're an Expon or a, a Neo, a couple thousand more units a month is, is actually pretty significant, especially in a foreign country. But do X or does Expon bring the price war mentality to Europe and aggressively price their halo vehicles? That'll be the question. Yeah, I think the price war is, at least here in the US, it's, it's already... U.S. has gotten that fever, right? The, the price cutting, the Mach-E's, F-150's, uh, Lucid's. Residuals are getting trashed, yeah, by the way. Yeah, it's, it's all over the world now. Here's my bold statement, Lay. If the Model Y in the United States gets reduced any further, I'm going to get one. <laughs> Action speaks louder than words, man. <laughs> I know, because like it's it's right on the cusp of you know being at the price I want it to be at, and so it's um it's an interesting time because I could get one of those uh, Hertz Model Threes. You're gonna lease or you're gonna buy? Because if you lease, you get the seventy five hundred. I probably lease. I probably lease. Yeah, you know, and then drive it for a couple years. You know what? I'm paying $550 a month for my Santa Fe hybrid. And you can get a, what, theoretically Tesla for what, $329 a month? Yeah, <laughs> like, but that's with like, you know, that's with like $3,500 you know, down and all this other stuff. I, so. I'm paying off a loan, so I'm not leasing, but still. Oh. And, and I have, 
employee discount at Stellantis and GM. Oh, I nice. can get supplier discount at Ford. So I'm I'm looking at pricing a little bit differently than you are, right? But but you know, you, you let me know if you need discounts at any of those companies. Maybe we can figure something out for you. But uh, anyways, uh, the other last thing that I kind of wanted to mention, Scout. Yeah, we haven't. They just uh, broke ground, right? So we haven't heard much. <laughs> so, let me read this to you real quick, my, my little statement here. Can Scout go where VW hasn't? This is what I wrote in the newsletter. While China has dedicated NEV brands, and I might need to take a breath while I'm reading this. While China has dedicated NEV brands like NIO, Xpeng, Liotto, BYD, Ito, Fang Chongbao, Jiyue, Lotus, <laughs> Zeker, GACI, Yangwan, Neta, Leap Motor, Avatar, Series, Voya, Shenlan, Geometry, Wuling, Polestar. Just to name a few off the top of my head, the U.S. has Rivian, Lucid, and Tesla. <laughs> Fisker. Which is yeah. well, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, just think of that contrast, right? And and yeah. I th- I th- I thought of those companies literally like just as I was typing. You know, it, I didn't do any research. Like, oh, where are all these companies? Just off the top of my head. So we definitely need more competition. And I just don't know because if there's been a lot of conversations about Gen Z, Gen Alpha, they don't know who Scout is. And Volkswagen Group, you know, Volkswagen Group, as I said before, they have 4% share in the United States. Scout is not going to double their share. Volkswagen brand is probably the only way they get to 10%, that goal of 10% that they've had uh, by 2030 that they've articulated. But the only way they get to that 10% is if they start selling $25,000, $30,000 ID3s and ID4s, which they are not currently. So it doesn't look like there's any questions, Lay, and I don't really have anything else. Well, then just, uh, you know, the housekeeping, we mentioned uh, Kristen Lee and Daniel Kircher. So respectively, Kristen Lee is the what transportation editor for Motor Trend. The senior video, senior uh, video. Well, let's just say editor. Senior editor or something like that. Which recently put out a documentary on China EVs, autos, uh, for that matter, in Mexico. And we talked to her. And after that, we... Two days ago, we spoke to Daniel, Doctor Daniel Kircher. The so it was so nice talking to him, you know. Yeah, so nice talking to him. He's the founder of Biden, one of the casualties, early casualties, (laughs) and uh, he's still in the China EV movement involved. So stay tuned for those Max episodes. I know you listeners are all EV nerds, so Daniel is he's he speaks the truth. In, in the good and the bad of what's going on. And he's gone and done it. He's one of the people that launched an EV brand in China. One of the first. Uh, he's an OG. And he should be much more recognized than he is. And yeah. Yeah. part of the reason you and I reached out to Kristen and Daniel. First of all, Daniel's a friend. So anytime we talk to him, is great. But they're out there getting it done. Kristen spent three days or four days in Mexico meeting with all these people. She told us a story about how the flight was delayed. And so just like you and me, Lay, we're out there getting it done. We're out there visiting. We're out there driving. We're out there talking. We're out there traveling to places. And so it's important to separate the people like me, you, Daniel, and Kristen from the people that are just sitting on the sidelines, reading what we write, listening to what we say, and then getting quoted off of 
their quote unquote thoughts. I think it's important to separate those two. So, so, so that's why we stood them up. Number one, because they're interesting. Uh, they have a perspective and a story to tell. And number two, they're out there really getting it done. I'm jumping off my soapbox. Enjoy the rest of uh, Lunar New Year, Chinese New Year Lantern uh, Festival and uh, the Boston Volleyball Tournament, Volleyball Dad. <laughs> Three days, man. We will try to get out Kristen's video and podcast next week. And uh, that's all for me. Yep, and uh, looking forward, so this weekend, actually next Monday, is the Geneva Motor Show, and there'll be MG and BYD, Renault in some sense, the new Dacia Spring, uh, all China-related, we'll talk about that. And then um, next Friday, which is March 1st, is when the auto launches and probably delivers the Mega. And I think there's another, one of these big three is having their uh, Q4 earnings call. Could be Li Xiang, I think, next week. We'll talk about those. And Li Auto has had some pretty interesting uh, adverts, social media, yeah. Yeah. to promote the Mega. So it's pretty pretty cool. I want to see it in real life because it's it, it is definitely a wedge shape. So think of of almost like a Cybertruck and a Prius had a baby. And they're doing test drives in Sanya right now. And in the videos I've seen, these things are low riders. They're very low to the ground for some reason. Yeah. So, but well, they're, that's because they're bevs, right? Everyone. Thanks for joining. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. We will talk with you all next week. Bye-bye. That brings us to the end of this week's show. Lay and I thank you for tuning in. My name is Tu Lee, and you can find me on Twitter at SinoAutoInsight. That's S-I-N-O-A-U-T-O-I-N-S-I-G-H-T. You can find Lay on Twitter at LeiXing77. That's L-E-I-X-I-N-G-7-7. If you wouldn't mind rating and or reviewing us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you grab your podcast from, we'd appreciate that as well. Even better, if you enjoy this show, please tell your friends about it. Please join us again next week as we track down all the latest news on China, EVs, and more.